Welcome to the Art and Life Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos. My intention with this experiment is to inspire hope and inspiration in your creative pursuits. Follow along as I interview artists, makers, entrepreneurs, and creatives from all walks of life. Listen while you work, listen while you create, listen while you dream up the next breakthrough idea. It's possible to make a life from your art, skill, or craft, whatever that may be. These interviews are evidence of that fact. If you enjoy what you hear, please subscribe to the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Share this with your friends, family, and all those creative people you know out there. Now, let's dive into this concept we call creativity. This evening on the podcast, I'm interviewing my good friend, Sean Moon. Now, Sean runs the cocktail program at Artera in the Marriott in Solana Beach, California. We've been good friends for years, and I've done tons of deep discussion with this guy on life, the nature of the world, and everything else under the sun. Uh, You can interact with Sean at The Moon Is Rising on Instagram. And just a heads up, there was a loud noise that goes off halfway through the interview for a couple minutes that I had to edit out. Uh, We took a quick quick break, we regrouped, and then we got right back to it. Um, Also, I want to say thank you to the lovely and talented Taryn Moon for helping make this podcast happen. Uh, We were having technical difficulties with Sean's phone. There was like this weird static in the background. So we had to hijack Taryn's phone. Um, so thanks, Taryn. I definitely appreciate it. Lots of love to you. Um, another interesting thing about these times is that we, the only thing we can do really is phone interviews. Um, normally I really like to be in person and have like an in-person reaction and conversation. Um, the phone interviews don't quite sound as good and I very much prefer the in-person approach, but, uh, this is the situation right now. This is the world we live in, and this is not a big deal on the scope of things um, that people are dealing with. So uh, bear with me there, and um, yeah, hope you enjoy. I had a great time talking with Sean. So um, yeah, without further ado, Sean Moon. Welcome, everybody, to the Art and Life podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos, and I'm here with a good friend of mine, Sean Moon. Sean, thank you for being on the podcast with me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Taylor. Um, it, it was a little bit of technical difficulties working into this, but we did our little meditation beforehand, and that, that really set us up with the right mindset to make it through that. Yeah, we got it going, yeah. <laughs> So, Sean, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, how you got to where you're at, what you do. Uh, Originally from Los Angeles, California. Uh, I've been in San Diego for probably about, I don't know, some 20, 22 years or something like that. So I'm a San Diegan. And um, I got here just kind of you know following the wind and following the dream just trying to live the dream and um i guess as far as work i work at artera del mar 
It's a restaurant inside of the Marriott in Del Mar, California, in San Diego. And um, I do the cocktail program there, write the menu, and um, bartend. Heck, yeah. Uh, and it's a really nice bar. Haley and I went there not too long ago and got to enjoy your cocktails that you threw together for us. They were ridiculously amazing. Yeah, it's a swanky place. <laughs> it is. And uh, I mean, tell people about Del Mar for those that don't know. Oh, uh, I guess it's a, it's a high-end demographic. Like most of um, my patrons are, you know, really I get patrons from kind of all, all over the world, uh, definitely all over the country, you know, being that it's a uh, kind of like an international Marriott, I guess you'd say. We got a lot of business clientele um, and then a lot of locals that kind of tie in with the business clientele and make for kind of a cool mix and atmosphere of uh, business traveler and uh, local socialite, I guess you could call it. Mm, nice. Yeah. And, and it, I mean, just sitting at your bar, it was fun to just think about the life that you live and like the, the interactions that you have with people all the time and like all the unique conversations that you must have as a bartender. Yeah, we get a lot of them, you know, people are, I always tell, you know, my friends and family, you know, stuff that goes on from time to time. And they're like, man, you're, you're going to be able to write a book one day or something. And I'm like, yeah, I, when I retire, you know, or when I go on to do whatever my next venture is, you know, I can look back on this period in my life and be like, man, that was a blast, you know, and like kind of uh, put it in my memoirs, I guess, of, uh, you could say, of course, there's been some really wild moments, you know, and then, you know, you just get the regular, you know, day-to-day conversations, you know, it's kind of, kind of the same as any other bar, you know, but, you know, there's this, uh, there's this, I guess, high-end accountability that goes along with it or whatever, but, um, yeah, we've also booked some crazy parties, you know, I met my wife there, um, met a lot of really good friends there and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I've been there for what, <clears throat> 11 years or something like that. So I've seen it, you know, the, even just the business itself go through its ups and downs and, you know, trying, trying to figure out how to, uh, navigate that, you know, as a potential future small business owner one day, you know, or large business owner, you know, it's, uh, it's interesting to see how the hospitality industry slash restaurant industry uh, slash service industry um, navigates its uh, waters, you know, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Like in a day-to-day operations perspective and then through like the ebbs and flows of seasons and years and, and then what we're going through right now. Yeah, totally. And then navigating that without, you know, feeling to the to the guests without them knowing anything. You know what I mean? They just have to to uh, to do it and then make it feel so natural and easy and and make it feel like it's a like a community watering hole or or something that just exists without effort, you know, when uh you know, when obviously it's a business, so there's a lot of effort that goes into every 
facet of it but yeah you know you have to to keep up this kind of like look or this like schwa de vivre or whatever like you know it's a bar so like yeah no everything's everything's great you know there's no uh we don't deal with anything (laughs) 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 but you know for me originally signing on there you know i bar back there and then i trained and then i bartended and then i kind of uh took the cocktail menu into more of like a mixology um kind of you know craft um status before the huge you know um wave of uh, mixology and craft cocktailing you know became so popular um so kind of like ride rode the uh the swell of that before it became a wave which was kind of nice but and then going into training and you know like putting my recipes on the menu and like standing behind them and like hoping that they were great and then you know getting the the public reaction and like feeling confident in like a creative product that you know people were consuming it it felt it feels really great to go through the whole process at, at one place is is uh i think rare and then also um rewarding and and kind of nice to like have that whole progression and be able to look back on it oh yeah super rare most i mean people in the service industry which i spent a lot of time in it's like you really don't see people stick around in one place that often yeah they really bounce i mean really bounce around a lot you know and i've had my opportunities to other restaurants like come and offer me hey you know you should come work for us you should come work with us you know we'd love to have you and um you know and just the opportunities and the freedom i think really that um i've been allowed at my place has has given me you know the uh the roots that that i have there definitely so now talking about your like your cocktail progression, like learning. I mean, what you're talking about, it it, sound, it reminds me of like in terms of art, you know, going through art school and learning, learning the basics. Like you take drawing one and you learn how to draw still life and you draw figures and you do a lot of practice and you're not that good. And then you work your way up and then you learn bigger and more complex things. Um, I mean, do you feel like it's the same way? Like the way that you started as a bar back and then you like moved into the bartender position and then you're high level at this point. Now you're creating the menu. You're like, I mean, and your drinks are just like, I've never heard of anything like them before. Yeah. Thanks man. I appreciate that. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what I try to do is like, cause we're not necessarily a speakeasy, you know, um, being that we're you know, made for the, the traveling businessman and the local per our demographic um and there's tons of speakeasies all around the county you know that would you say sorry to cut you off there would you say that um a speakeasy is like more on the crap like the avant-garde side of things yeah i'd say that their their cocktails definitely are geared that way and i've geared mine that way as well without you know there's a lot of in the mixology world or whatever like calling a bartender a a mixologist just versus like 
a bartender or like a drink slinger like um there's like there's been this like pretension that's like come with that you know and like i've tried to do my damned best to like not have any of that like uh ego or pretension or like you know like i don't mind the esteem when somebody really likes one of my drinks but at the same time like we're all just bartenders, you know what I mean? Even like the top mixologist that's won every contest in the world, like he's still just a bartender, right? You know, so there's a certain humility that comes with it as well. You can't just be like, oh, well, I'm not a bartender. I'm a mixologist or whatever, you know? So we, tr- I try to fill the niche, which is like in between like a hotel bar and like a speakeasy. And I'm the middle point. Where I'm like, hey, look, these drinks, these recipes, this is probably something that you've never had before, but it's very approachable in the setting that we allow it to be. You know what I mean? So yes, we're mixologists, but we're we're definitely bartenders. We try to keep a, that blue collar mentality along with it as well. But yeah, most of the drinks that I put on this current menu that I have now are, if you're going to come in and see like you and Haley came in, you're not going to see those really anywhere else. You know, Um, what I've done to try and take classics and then spin them in, in like a different way, it's, it's reminiscent of, of a classic cocktail that you may have had before, but in a totally different uh sometimes even like texturally visually and uh, taste wise different way but yeah i would say um back to the original question um i mean yes there is kind of a path of education that you got to go through to to learn you know, there's no like school that you can go to really, you know what I mean? I mean, there is a bartender school, but in the industry, it's kind of like mocked and laughed at a bit, you know, when like somebody comes into an interview and they sit in front of me and, you know, I'm going through like my list in my head and then my list on paper and asking my questions and they're like, oh, well, I've, I've done bartending school and this and that. I'm like, all right, well, it shows that you want, that you have some effort in there and that you're willing to like pay some money in order to like learn something but they don't they don't really teach what you need to know and it's kind of like an industry uh known fact or whatever so the only way to learn is to be in the trenches and kind of like kind of like art school I guess I mean I'm I can't draw that well but um I would imagine you know like you go from crayons to the paintbrush and it's kind of the same thing with bartending you go from, you know, washing dishes to creating something on paper and then translating that into a drink that somebody consumes. And it's got to have all those things, you know, like the visual, the aroma, the taste, the, you know, the balance. And then um, it's also got to be different somehow than, you know, something that you can get, <clears throat> excuse me, um, anywhere else so it it, every drink that i make i i try to make so that it stands apart you know and uh that maybe it'll bring somebody back you know (laughs) 
Yeah, one thing that I really love to hear you dive into and geek out on is like, so Haley, my fiance, our uh, your good friend is, she's an herbalist, and to hear you guys talk about an herbalist and a chef, and so to hear you guys talk about like flavors and combinations and balance, um, it's really fun. It's definitely above my pay grade in terms of cocktails. Um, I like, I love drinking them, but yeah, maybe, maybe go into a little bit about the cocktail creation, how you like balance those different elements. Yeah. Well, I guess it all started as like, um, well, I mean, it's, it's funny you say that because the, the first bartender, I guess, or the first person to ever make a cocktail and dub it a cocktail was actually an apothecary owner. So, uh, yeah, Whoa. in like uh, New Orleans. So it was an apothecary owner, and um, it was just like, hey, how do I like sell my stuff, you know? And so he started, you know, the original cocktail was quote unquote a stimulating liquor composed of any type of sugar, water, and bitters. And then, um, you know, eventually the stimulating part was the alcohol or whatever you know and uh jerry thomas aka the professor was like he's like the 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 godfather of cocktailing in america he's a connecticut born um bartender he worked all over america and europe a lot he worked a lot in france so it was really cool he's bringing in a lot of those um a lot of that culture into the cocktail world you know back then you know they had more food culture than america did because america was young um, but then you bring it back to america and there's all these different melting pots from all these different cultures and then we had the prohibition that affected everything and made everything go underground and then it was like uh there was these underground clubs these speakeasies and like it made it like this kind of like you know, illegal activity or illicit activity, even just to drink champagne, you know? And so it became, uh, you know, all the movie stars and the gangsters and they were all in on it and it became this whole thing. And now it's this story and it's part of the culture of America. And it's really cool that, you know, people want that again. They want those, those, those old stylistic and flavor components for those drinks you know the 80s did a lot of bad things to uh to the cocktail world you know it was like uh it was all about the profit and driving you know revenue and and uh, how many drinks can i get into you know this one group of people that's gonna you know how many how many different shots can we do with the same bottles and is it and it on the culinary side of things it really destroyed a lot of the the old stylistic you know 20s 30s 40s style cocktails and whatnot um so now there's this new kind of wave coming back of the old and whatnot and that's doing a lot of really good things for 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 us as bartenders and mixologists um example but you know there's uh there's there's only one way to drink a drink you know and but there's a lot of different ways to make one and so it's it's interesting that uh you know people always want what they want and you 
have to take that into consideration, you know, while trying to <clears throat> express your creativity and also showing them something new, I think. So, like, that's what I try to do, I guess. I try to say, okay, you know, look, like, tell me what you like, you know. You want something more refreshing. You want something more straight, uh, spirit forward. You know, it's all it's all about it. It always starts with a conversation, you know, just as anything does behind the bar. But, you know, and then once I find out what you like and then I'll kind of maybe tell you what I'm doing or what I'm having fun with. And if you sign on to that, then we can meet somewhere in the middle and I can give you something that, you know, might not even be on the menu. You know, it's just it, just creating it, you know, handpicked and stylized for for your palate and and your kind of look and stuff like that. Sometimes when people come in, they you can kind of like judge. Oh man, this guy's probably gonna be like a gym guy or like, you know, oh this guy, you know, maybe he's uh you know he's definitely a whiskey dude. Or, but then people surprise you. You know, you can't judge a book by its cover. So yeah, so mm -hmm. it's interesting. Like uh, in the cocktail creation, you know, we just. I for the stuff that goes on menus, you know, I try to take classics and do and redefine them. You know, so I try to take, you know, you know, an old fashioned, but how do I do an old fashioned in a different way that somebody may not have had before, but still being able to call it an old fashioned? Because there are like laws and rules, you know, where like if you get too far away from a drinks base type, like you can't really call that in old fashioned anymore you know what i mean because it doesn't have the distinct characteristics of an old fashioned or like a flip or a manhattan or a martini or you know there's these these classics that have been set in stone and are essentially rules or more like guidelines and you can veer on those a little bit you know what i mean you can kind of even take two drinks and put them in one but if you get too far away from either of them you know, you can't call it that anymore. You know, you can still make it, obviously, you know what I mean? But um, you're going to have to come up with some other some other name for it or whatever. But, but yeah, that's what I try to do to answer your question. Long-winded way to answer your question. But I essentially take classics and redefine them, put a new twist on them, and, um, and, and try to just make it, you know, like you've never had it. Okay, so I got a question for you. Um, now, in art, I, I just wrote this blog about style and how, like, you can style sort of follows the form or the intention of whatever art you're trying to make, whatever message you're trying to put across. And certain styles, let's say it's impressionistic or it's like classical or whatever, they're all kind of loaded with baggage. Um, and so like you can make statements or make like inferences by using a certain style that like, and it, it, you're like making a statement, but you don't need, you're not being direct about it. You can just sort of like hint at things. How much does like the culture or the background or, you know, the history of like a liquor or something, how much does that play into the creation of a cocktail for you? Does that, does it For work me, the same it's way? Huge, you know what I mean. Like that's because, because 
I say that my my weakest like link in the whole cocktail creation process comes when it's finely made and it's perfect and it's balanced and I gotta name it. <laughs> and I'm just like, what do I name this thing? You know? And uh so yeah, I I definitely, you know, back when I first started, you know, trying to like make my own creations, I guess you could say, um <clears throat> I was like, okay, where's the stuff made? You know, what is it made out of? Um, who made it? Or uh, what region of wherever is it from? Or, you know, if it's a tequila, is it from Oaxaca? Is it from, you know, somewhere else? Is it from, you know, like, where is it made? If it's a liqueur, is it made in France? Is it made in Italy? Is it made, you know, and then I started just using that for the name. And then I was like, you know, uh, I can go deeper with this. And like, you know, I can start researching like, those regions and how they tie into each other and um like you know and base it on a theory and like you know you can go about your day and your your regular life and just kind of like you know why you might be like you know doing something and then you're like whoa i want to make a painting like um about this and how this you know, reflects on or how I reflect on this situation, you know, and, and that's what you decide to like put paint onto canvas or whatever. I guess the same thing is like, you know, I could be swimming in the ocean and then, you know, lick my lips and taste that salt water and be like, whoa, I want to make a cocktail like that is reminiscent of, of that moment, you know, and if I'm able to get to the point where somebody drinks it and then I'm like, and then they're like, how'd you make this? And then I'm like, well, I was swimming in the ocean one day, <laughs> you know, I licked my lips and tasted the salt and I wanted to make a cocktail that was reminiscent of that. And then if they can connect with that and be like, whoa, like, yeah. And that's all for, that's, that's like why I do what I do. You know what I mean? Like, that's like how <laughs> I, I, that's my ultimate dig. You know, I'm like, wow, like, you were able to comprehend that moment, like, even if it's, you know, by a hair, but like, it's a shared experience, you know, and like, that's kind of what it's all about. And not every cocktail goes, you know, that deep a thought or whatever, you know, but like, there's one or two, you know, on every menu where I'm just like, you know, if somebody gets this, you know, that's, that's all it takes for me to like, keep making them every day and you know busting out like 50 in a night you know what i mean and, and making sure every single one of those is on par with the original inception or whatever so so yeah i guess there's there's a bit of art that goes into it you know if that's what you'd call art and um <clears throat> but yeah there's regions and things that you'll deal with and just like wine you know it's kind of like the the winemaker is only allowed to do certain things. Well, there's not as many rules in in the liquor world. You know, there's there's some, and they're definitely bendable and breakable. And you know, you're not uh, performing sacrilege if you're if you're going too far into one area. You know, and whatever. I I I'm always a big component of like you know. Well, if it tastes good, that's the main that's the main 
that's the main thing you know that's the fat of or the meat of it and then the rest is the fat and you can cut the fat off and uh figuring out a name or you know whatever is uh is the easier part and i usually get help um if you were going to order a cocktail from yourself right now if you were sitting at your own bar and you were serving yourself what would you order from yourself start with a gin and tonic or a gin and soda just to see what type of gin i'd give myself (laughs) and then (laughs) usually i go into like um like a citrus based cocktail there's most most citrus based cocktails are shaken and usually light and you know like spring or summer you know type seasonal stuff and then um third cocktail i'd probably do something that's a little bit more spirit forward you know maybe like uh an old-fashioned or manhattan or or like a riff on any one of those but I'm I'm a big gin fan at the moment. I mean, I've gone through my cycles and I don't really drink at home anymore. So when I go out, you know, I'm like, okay, like, you know, I'm into gin right now, but, you know, four months ago I was into whiskey, you know, and then there's every once in a while, you know, I want to sit down and just have some really nice beer as well. And, you know, so it's, it's nice that the, uh, that the world of uh, cocktails and and spirits and uh, is is wide range enough where you know no matter what mood you're in you can generally find something. But if I were to order a cocktail off myself, it would probably be um, it'd probably be like a gin gimlet or something, you know, or something off the riff of that. Nice, nice. Um, that, uh, that ocean drink that you talked about, I think you made that for oh, us yeah, when we the, were there uh, last the time. Sea it had, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the Kanagawa is that, you know, the Japanese wood block with a big wave and then the, the monks that are like riding yes. that wave or whatever. And they're all like peaceful and serene, um, probably cause they're drunk on sake. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's the exact cocktail that I was talking about. Um, so that one, um, it's kind of cool because it has a lot of different elements of seafaring that go into it, I guess you could say. There's, um, there's some elements that I just grabbed from like uh, Norway or the and Sweden and uh, Japan and uh, yeah and so these these ingredients kind of like you know from if you were you know a seafarer and you were traveling all around the oceans and you know those are the spirits that you would kind of like run into and uh, then it's garnished with like seaweed and like a salt spray which is really nice so if you if you guys want to know more about it you got to come in and drink it <laughs> but yeah that like was it. the one that was we went um, surfing one day and i licked my lips and that salt water 
I looked over at, I don't know if it was you or Dan or uh, one of our friends, but I was like, that, that needs to be a drink, you know, like, I mean, you can't drink seawater, yeah. but like the, the, the essence of it needs to be in a cocktail, you know? And yeah, that's actually one that doesn't get, um, ordered that often, you know, there's like some, some big sellers at the bar on the menu. Um, and that one isn't a huge seller, but when someone does get it and they drink it and they're like, you know, it's usually someone who's, um, a little more looking for something a little more interesting and a little more, you know, inquisitive, I guess you could say it's usually the guest that, that gets that. And, uh, yeah, so it's always interesting to see like who orders what. Right. Right. Yeah. You can't can't judge a book by their cover. All right. So now one thing I'd like to flow into is, okay, we're in the world now of COVID-19 and everything shut down. You and your bar, like your bar is shut down. You're not working. Now, what we talked about the other day was how, how the bar is such a watering hole and it's just like it's a space like you as a bartender you hold space for all these different people to to laugh to have fun to relax to talk to to sometimes like air their grievances like um talk a little bit about how you feel about that not being a yeah, thing right now you know i think that this whole thing that we're going through is going to be changing the dynamic of a lot of things in our universe, you know, as far as uh, different businesses and whatnot. But as far as the bar business is concerned, it's it's really interesting because you have a very visceral, you know, experience. Like you have to physically walk in somewhere. You have to sit down. You have to order something. You know, you have to usually interact with the person that's creating it in order to get what you want and you know maybe explore a new avenue and this and that in the in the culinary thing it's just like um just like food you know and um yeah i don't know how it's going to change things i don't know if there's going to be a big like rubber band effect that's going to like bounce back and everyone's just going to be like you know rush into the bars that they you know used to frequent and they're just going to be like you know it's going to be like 1999 you know or if there's going to be like a slow kind of like tiptoe like toe back into the pool like you know into the public go back into that it's going to affect like the public spaces and and the bar and everything so yeah i've been wondering about how it's going to affect the public space in general and like you know our you know from everything from my bar, you know, directly to, you know, uh, Disneyland and, you know, sporting events. And like, are, are people going to like be more weary to, to do these things in the future? Or is it going to change the social dynamic? And I think it may for a little bit, you know, but I really think that, you know, human nature, we just, we do what we want to do no matter what, you know, and, I think that um, if anything, it's going to just make people, you know, yearn for that, 
social connection and that, you know, that kind of like that foothold that was just ripped out from everyone's, you know, feet of, of just having to like be locked up in their house and, you know, but it's also going to do a lot of good for people's self-creation. You know, there's a lot of bartenders are going online and doing almost like seminars where they're holding, you know, cocktail creation courses and stuff like that. And, you know, you pay them a monthly or whatever the, the case may be. And you can like learn how to make these cocktails at home and, so when people come back, people, you know, bartenders are going to have to have their chops up pretty good, I think, because people are going to be like, oh, I've been making these at home. And, you know, what can what can you do that I can't do now? You know, and so there's, I think there's going to be a lot of that. <laughs> it's just going to be a lot of um, relief, too. I think people are just going to come back and be like, oh, man, you know, I'm, I'm so glad to be back. And, you know you know, there's going to be a lot of reminiscing and, you know, when we look back on this, we're just going to be like, man, remember back when we couldn't do this, you know, remember when this was illegal, like we couldn't, you know, come out to the bar because fear of, you know, this, that crazy virus. And it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely interesting times, man. It's, you know, it's definitely interesting times and there's, a lot of people who rely on that type of social atmosphere too. I feel like, you know, like I have some regulars that I'm, I, I saw them every single day, you know, and literally like, I'm like, it's so weird to just, you know, for them, I'm sure to like not do the routine. And like, they're just like, you know, even if they'd only have like two drinks, you know, they'd stop by, you know, say hi, have a couple of drinks and then boom, they're on their way home or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting to, uh, to rip the carpet out from everyone's feet, I think. And it's going to be interesting when it, when it all gets put back. Yeah. So many people get so much like value out of, their relationships that are formed around the watering hole. Um, you know, I've spent time at bars working at, working as a bartender here and there and at restaurants. And it's like, yeah, there are those regulars that like, that's just their flow. And, and then their friendship, it's like cheers, like their friendships get formed around that. Um, yeah. The isolation element, it's just so like opposite yeah, of, it's crazy. of the world it's that really you crazy. work in. Yeah, it definitely is. And I mean, the, the social element is like, it's a necessity for people's like sanity, you know, like you, you, you like kind of have to be social as a human being. Like you need that interaction with other people in order to, you know, just feel like you're part of something or like, you know, it's, it's very interesting. Like, uh, you know, the isolation, um, effects on society and, you know, how is that going to be? Like, are more people going to be, you know, saying hi when we're like walking down the street or when we do walk into a bar or is it going to be more friendly because people realize like how fragile it is, you know, like, I think we all 
really took it for granted. You know, the whole, you know, social dynamic that just existed because we were human, you know, like, and we have society, like you could just go anywhere and there'd be people to interact with, you know, and now it's like everyone's walking the other way, six feet apart, you know, I'm not getting anyone saying hi, hardly ever. Like it's, you know, but you do see that they want to, you know, they're like, I don't know if I'm even supposed to be talking to people, you know, and like, because that could be like spewing virus out or whatever the heck, you know, so it's, it's going to be interesting once this thing's over. I think people are just going to be like coming back to that warm embrace of social humanity. That's my positive outlook on it is everyone's going to want to be high-fiving and hugging and saying what's up. And hopefully it'll be an even more uh, inviting realm, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think there's going to be a lot of, sort of lingering elements and some of them are going to be really good. Like I don't think people uh, wash their hands <laughs> nearly enough in real right. life, like until like leading up to this, you know, and now it's like everybody is, it's regularly doing it. Like we are all getting a schooling in yeah, how to wash that. your hands for 20 seconds. More hygienic. And, That's going to be, you know, positive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Worldwide. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. And one thing that I like, one one thing about the bar that has always kind of fascinated me that actually ties in with this time period right now is that I was like thinking about like an airport bar and yours is sort of like an airport bar because there's a lot of international like comings and goings. But like, if you look at, take a snapshot of an airport bar and there's like 30 people around the bar. In three hours before that, all those 30 yeah, people were spread out around the country. And then in that moment, they're all there. And then three hours later, they're going to be spread out even mm-hmm. farther across the country again. And which is really a beautiful thing in, in some ways. But and then it also really shows you like yeah, it's how humans move around the planet and like why this virus was yeah, so like it's is totally so crazy. challenging for like everybody. I have a regular who uh, is our he gets a government he's a government guy he works uh nevada texas and dc and he does he's like i don't know how high he's pretty high up he's like everyone that he's ever brought in has been you know very respectful of him <laughs> so our our buddy gary he must uh he must be yeah. pretty high up but he's in charge of the drone program and he's doing these drones that are like you know, as big as my house or whatever. Um, but anyway, I was talking to him because he's always all over, you know, the world. You know, he's going everywhere. Japan, Hawaii, D.C., you know, he's going all over the place. And uh, <clears throat> he was just telling me, like, you know, yeah, this thing is, uh, is, is, it's already here. You know what I mean? Like, before they even said it's here you know he's like oh it's already here like you know (laughs) it's been here for a while you know it was like so even before the first report i mean that's just you look at airplane dynamics and it's just you know you're seeing planes that are going everywhere 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 it's like a spider web all over the whole planet you know if you 
if you look at one of those and so yeah it's it's everywhere man that's just the craziest thing known to man is the virus right the craziest thing that anyone in our generation or yeah, in a I lot mean, of generations has ever experienced you know I mean? it took out like it took out the aztecs it like you know the the virus is crazy you know this is like absolute like my great great grandfather dealt with the or my great grandfather dealt with the spanish flu you know and that that wiped out you know percentage of the population you know it's like it's it's you know we just live in a day and age where we think we're untouchable you know because of modern medicine and modern science that you know would never have happened to us and it's it's just it's really interesting you know it's kind of given everyone a pause button you know which has its positives and its negatives you know what i mean but it's going to be interesting how we all back you know we've all backpedaled from this and it's going to be interesting to see how we come out of this as a tighter knit community and you know what i mean it you're, I'm already seeing it like on social media and, you know, in the public domain that that's online where you're seeing, you know, people that wouldn't normally be involved with that at all, you know, are, are being forced to like, okay, Hey, I'm going to like, I'm going to start getting in this and like, you know, um, I'm going to start doing podcasts and I'm going to start doing content creating and like just because i'm not doing anything else and i i need that human connection you know so they're like it's it's interesting i think it's going to propel certain things into the stratosphere which is going to be really good and um it's going to cause a lot of reflection and i mean i think it's all all in all it's a positive thing as long as it doesn't break the economy (laughs) <laughs> if, right. if the economy can survive this <laughs> so can we you know it's like uh so we shall see but i think it's a good pause button it's definitely been uh you know i was talking to another friend of ours uh blake a while ago a couple of days ago and he was just like man like he's kind of tripping and he's just like having the same conversation around it and i was he's like what do you, what have you been doing like you know, like he told me everything he's been doing and he's been keeping real busy and he's like, what have you been doing? I'm like, well, I've just been trying to treat it like, you know, if I was retired, you know, what would I be doing if I was retired? You know, if I retired early, you know, would what would I do? I'd go plant a garden, you know, I'd, I'd learn guitar, you know, I do there's these things where, you know, I've I've been wanting to do or whatever and, and didn't have enough time or whatever to do and, you know, spend more time with my wife, you know, like it's, it's just, it's been, it's been great, you know, but if it goes on for too long, it's going to be detrimental, you know? So I'm, I'm trying to stay super positive right. and I think everything's going to bounce back like twofold. And I think people are going to be so sick of being stuck in the house and being isolated that they're just going to like, yearn for that human connection and they're going to fill up all the bars and they're going to be sick of cooking and they're going to fill up all the restaurants you know what i mean and and it's just going to elevate things because (laughs) everyone has had to 
you know, focus on doing everything themselves. So they're going to like go out to dinner and be like, I've been cooking better than this. You know what I mean? Like, so all of a sudden it's the only restaurants that are going to survive are going to be the good ones. You know what I mean? That are constantly putting out a product that people weren't able to do at home and people, you know, unless they like really focused and like, you know, because you you know you can do anything you put your mind to that's what (laughs) but yeah i think people are definitely going to come back twofold and and the people who have their game on strong the restaurants and in my industry at least you know are are going to be the ones that reap the benefits because they've already built that institution of hospitality quality of product and representation and i think as long as you know these good restaurants can survive and open back up when this is all over i think that the public is going to reward you know those traits of those establishments totally yeah <laughs> it's going to be a wild wild landscape um but yeah i think that you're really right it's it's sharpening people's like understanding of of a lot of things and there's so much that we can learn on line now like like you said youtube and uh, all these different things that people are offering everybody's leveling up and and with that the product that is out there brick and mortar right, style yeah. that we come back to is you know and thank god that you know <clears throat> a restaurant and a bar like have to exist you know what i mean because there's some i'm sure i mean there's some industries that are just going to be evaporated you know what i mean when certain businesses are like oh wow you know we didn't need to have like a whole wing or a whole division of our company dedicated to like you know physical application like we could have just done this all online to begin with like we're just going to keep it that way you know some industries will will do that you know and it's it's those those are the industries it's gonna the landscape of of those are gonna look a lot different you know but at least for the industry i'm a part of and you know there's you can't you can't replace a, a really good bartender with a robot. You just, you know, <laughs> you'll, you might get a, a good drink, but like, that's right. not why people go sit at a bar. You know what I mean? That's what brings them in. And the bartender is what makes them stay. That's how I feel. That's good. I like that. Oh, uh... High quality. This is high quality stuff right here. Um, <laughs> this is high quality H two O. Let's uh, let's switch gears into the big question here, uh, and I'm I'm excited to hear what you have to say about it. What would you uh, Man, what would you say is your definition one, of art? Yeah, because I love art. I think that it's one of the things that you know separates us from the animals and you know, really, uh, really makes us the smart monkey. Um, I think, you know, 
definition of art, you know, in the human mind, I guess it would be when your creativity is manifested into something tangible, you know, that, that other people Mm. can kind of interpret, you know, and then in this day and age, you know, that, that means a menagerie of, of different things, you know what I mean? Because there's so many different medias and whatnot, but I think it's that, you know, if it's created with skill, beauty, and intention, you know, that, um, whatever comes out on the other side, if, if that's, looked at by one person and changes one mind you know what I mean into something that it wasn't before I think that's considered art you know whether that be a beautiful painting um, a piece of cinema like even even movies that piss me off you know what I mean (laughs) or I'm just like this movie pissed me off so much you know like those, those movies that M. Night Shyamalan used to make, you know, where you, at the end, you're just like, this fucking guy, I swear to God, <laughs> you know, this motherfucker, you know, but he was able to evoke <laughs> that emotion, you know, and I think no matter what that emotion is, you know what I mean? Um, if emotion is evoked through <clears throat> some sort of media, you know what I mean? whatever that media be, uh, you know, that, that, that is innately kind of what makes us human. You know what I mean? As a, as our, our, our ability to inject our consciousness into something that was inanimate to begin with, I think is, um, a skill in itself and if one's able to do that then i guess they could be considered some sort of artist along 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 varying degrees but but yeah and whether that's a cocktail you know or um or brush strokes or sculpture or cinema or you know mixed media or I mean, there's just so many different facets these days, you know what I mean? Digital world, audio, music. I mean, if if you're able to evoke emotion in someone or a memory or like just get that rise out of someone, you know, that's, I think that's why we're here. Art. Yeah. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely one thing that is different between humans and then other animals. And and it seems like there was a point where we, you know, there was like an evolution that happened. I mean, the cave paintings that that started it all, like leaving handprints that that's evidence of like some sort of a transmission of a message or at least like like being aware of of like the reality of what's going on of like, this is going to last here longer than I am or, you know, totally. that's a whole nother podcast. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, mushrooms and aliens and monkeys, you know what I mean? It's uh... <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, no, definitely. That's 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 all what it is. It's you know, one guy saying to another person or one one being saying to another being like, Hey, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, look at this. This is new. This is what do you think of this? Like, what do you think of this? Like that, just that in itself, even if there's no language expressed, you know what I mean? It's like, that's, that's beautiful in itself. It's like, it's asking one consciousness to kind of, you know, temporarily bind to another consciousness and, and share a moment and an experience through, through something visual or something, heard or something you know even taste or you know it's just like what do you think of this is like almost uh one of the one of the ultimate respects i guess you know that that you could uh that you could bestow upon someone else like asking for their opinion or like you know what i mean yeah it's an interaction and there's this book that i just listened to called until the end of time and it's really like a conversation about philosophy and physics and all this stuff about like the nature of reality but it was talking about language and how language when it first evolved it it was sort of like this magic and it's still magic but we just take it for granted and it and it just is what it is but the the magic of it is that i can speak words and then create imagery or feelings or whatever inside of your mind right you know and before that you couldn't really do like like primates or whatever like couldn't really do that and so now all of a sudden there's this like transmission of an idea or a message through through the sounds that you can make with your mouth and then art uh, in all of its forms is like the extension of that it's like a different kind of magic and that has different nuances and details that work in different situations. Yeah. It's like, it's like the depth of association. Ooh. Yep. You know, it's like, it's just like, it is magic. You know, just the fact that we're even able to do it is proof that, um, that we're smart. (laughs) (laughs) We're smartish. We're smartish. Yeah, we're smartish. We can associate stuff. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, it, it really is a magical thing, you know, and like, and then when you throw emotion in on, to, on top of that, like, that's, that's really where the magic happens is that, you know, the fact that I could play something and, and totally have start somewhere that was totally non-emotional like oh i'm just gonna like throw these chords together because i think they sound beautiful together and i'm gonna like i like the way that this like fits together and like this and now i have a song and you know and then somebody listens to the song and it could be about like my goldfish but then somebody listens to it and like they associate it with like their marriage or like their their you know, love of their life or whatever, and like just breaks down and, and it takes them to this whole like 
inner world and inner place of like whether it be celebration or grieving or whatever the case may be like it's just so interesting where like you know it's like telephone or whatever that game you know kids Mm -hmm. used to we used to play when we were kids where like you start out with one word and then it goes and goes and goes and it ends up being something completely different but just the fact that you know that can happen you know what i mean is just magic in itself you know what i mean and then if that comes full circle where the artist then gets this that reflection about their own work and they're just like it blows you away you're just like whoa like wow and then that i feel like that's the next a level up for that content maker or whatever you know like and then wow okay wow i'm like affecting people now maybe i need to like really put some intention behind what i'm doing and you know then it it just kind of like snowballs from there and next thing you know like art is its own beautiful beast or whatever i guess yeah it takes on its own i don't know (laughs) no i think it's a good rant and and it's and you're right because art takes on this life of its own and then it means different things to different people and um there's tons of stories throughout history of artists that weren't even a big deal in their time and then it like turns into this huge thing later on you know and really means something to a whole different generation and they run with it and um yeah the appreciation factor it's like whoa like i can't believe they didn't see what this guy was all about but now you know a hundred years later we have the foresight and the hindsight you know what i mean to to appreciate what was being done you're like wow like that was this guy was on the forefront of like you know like monet you know what i mean monet was chasing the camera you know what i mean and the whole story with you know the reason that his stuff took on the landscape of what it took on was because the camera couldn't do what he was doing you know what i mean like it it just that's but nobody i mean he was he was doing all right for you know compared to some other artists when he was living but like now he's this great you know classical artist because they didn't even get what he was doing back then you know what i mean now we're like right. holy shit like now we have this digital like crazy computer technology and then you put it up next to a monet and the monet is just like you're like, wow, he was doing exactly what he wanted to do. Like, he knew what he was doing. You know, I mean, it wasn't just by chance. Like, this guy was a genius. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, MC Escher is one that comes to mind, too. He, I heard his life story not too long ago, and he wasn't even that big of a deal during his lifetime. Um, and then, well, during the bulk of his lifetime. And then by the time he was like 80 years old, then it really started to hit and it sort of became like a funky psychedelic thing that people really connected with in the sixties and seventies. But he didn't even like, like he didn't even like hippies. He didn't like the new generation of people that appreciated his artwork. He was just doing his own thing. Yeah. And like they connected with it uh, in their own way. And we're almost like, dude we don't even care about you we like your art (laughs) right yeah it's yeah it's interesting man you know and then they're always like 
you know, just to go down the rabbit hole here, you know, and just, I mean, the human brain, you know, we know like so little about it. And they look at these, you know, quote unquote diseases or whatever, you know, like Asperger's and autism and, you know, these, these and people who have just slight bits of, you know, schizophrenia or, you know, psychological disorders and like most great artists, you know, had something going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? There, there was something wrong, or, you know, quote unquote, like wrong with most of these guys. And, you know, like Van Gogh, I mean, that dude had some major psychological issues. You know what I mean? And yeah. if he didn't have art, to to vent through can i mean his life was already so tragic you know what i mean but can you imagine if he wasn't able to paint you know what i mean it's just like uh, it's uh, the human brain just blows me away you know the, we're talking about you know sharing consciousness through you know different forms of art and this and that and it's just uh that all comes down to our wiring you know and it's just it's interesting how like just you know electronics in our brain essentially organic electronics can produce you know this myriad of like senses and emotions and like expressions oh yeah and it just boils down to that being art you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) yeah so everything is art basically well, yeah, really. I mean, like, because, like, everything is inspiration for art. Like, in my in my viewpoint, like, there is no art that has ever been made that wasn't based on something that somebody experienced. Right. And where do they experience it? In their life. So, like, life is art because, you know, it's the it's the it's the first thing, you know. This is good stuff. A high quality H2O, <laughs> baby. This is high quality H2O. Quality we H2O. definitely brought to you we... by Oh <laughs> uh, well, Sean, I'm gonna have to have you on the podcast again, and we're gonna have to dive deep into this stuff all over again, and really just keep going. But um, for now, this is the part of the podcast where um, where I get to salute you my guest and sean you're you're a fucking stud you're a good friend of mine we've we've connected from the beginning when we got to know each other and um you're like i mean people that are watching or that are listening don't actually get to see what you look like but you you're like the perfect bartender like if you were going to cast somebody as like a 1920s or 30s bartender you'd be you'd be perfect for it you've got this like deep wisdom to you you're very grounded you're good you're just a good human being and i I really value having you in my life so i want to say thank you for coming on the podcast and and thank you for just being the awesome you that you are well thank you for having me my friend you are one of my best friends and confidants and yeah thank you for just uh doing this and it's uh it's a cool this is my first podcast i've ever done and uh it's an enjoyable experience you're a great host and you've got a great program and um you know um 
I appreciate you as well, my friend. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Well, um, now is there is there anywhere that you would want people to connect with you? I mean, you were saying you were saying if they want to come and meet you, you know, if they want to connect with you, they got to come to your bar. Where, where? Tell them again where your bar. Is. Yeah, so my bar is uh, called Artera. It's in Del Mar, California. Um, it's one one nine six six El Camino Real. And uh, it's inside the Marriott Hotel that's right there. Nice, swanky place. You can come and see me there. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram if you want. It's the moon is rising. That's my uh, Insta. And then, um, yeah, I don't do much social media. I try to keep it real and, and gritty as possible. But, uh, yeah, come and see me. I'd love to meet you and uh, I'd love to pour you a drink. Hell, Yeah. And it and it'll be a good drink. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> All right, Sean. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks again. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you. I'll be seeing you in the very near future. I'm sure. All right, my man. All right, later, All bro. Much love too. So that was Sean Moon. He's a legend in our little friends circle that we call the soul fam. Uh, he's wise beyond his years. He's caring. He's very conscious of himself, his family, his circle, and the world around him. Uh, again, you can connect with him at the moon is rising on Instagram. And if you enjoyed what you heard here, please share this with those creative humans in your life. Uh, subscribe to the podcast and all the places you listen And please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. We're just getting started here. We don't have many reviews. Uh, Probably not floating too high on the search engines. But this is how we do it, one step at a time. So, uh, yeah, please leave a review. Share it with people. Ask them to leave a review. The mission here is to positively impact as many creative people as possible. And uh, every review helps. So, Thanks again for listening. Um, I hope that you're getting as much out of this as I am. I really appreciate you as a listener. I can think of a bunch of people in my life that have been listening and um, giving me feedback here and there. And yeah, I love you guys. I really appreciate it. And um, it's really cool to think that you guys are listening. And and this is just a really exciting experiment for me. so I hope that you you feel the same way. Feel free to reach out with any feedback. Um, as an artist, we are trained in art school to take critique and learn how to absorb it and then roll with it and then grow as an artist through that. So uh, yeah, I love honest critique. Send it my way. Uh, you can reach out to me at Taylor G murals on Instagram, or you can go to taylorgmurals.com and send me a message through there. Um, yeah, create critique is the best way to evolve one's craft. Um, there's no substitute for it. So now it's time for all of us to go deep and get creative. So have a good day. Cheers. Cheers.